Good morning. Our service continues on page two of your bulletin. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be God's kingdom now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins, and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. may be seated for the readings. A reading from Isaiah. Shout out. Do not hold back. Lift your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interests on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? when you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicators shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. The word of the Lord. A reading from Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. They will be remembered forever. They are not afraid of evil tidings. 
Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. Their hearts are steady. They will not be afraid. In the end they will look in triumph on their foes. They have distributed freely. They have given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn is exalted in honor. The wicked see it and are angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked comes to nothing. A reading from 1 Corinthians. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not pro- I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human, except that that human spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God's, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's spirit, for they are foolishness to them and they are unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Those who are spiritual discern all things, and they are themselves subject to no one else's scrutiny. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven.
but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Righteousness is a word uh, we have heard recently, and it is one that I talked about last time. I believe it was last time that I stood in the pulpit. There's a sense in which righteousness is entirely unintelligible to us because the word has lost all concrete meaning. As I've said before, we've also translated it justice, but recent events in our own state have shown that we know nothing of justice, or at least we are only acquainted with a violent, oppressive perversion of what it ought to be. But I suppose it needs to be something we unpack as Christians because here Jesus teaches those listening to him that their own righteousness must surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees. This might seem to be a tall order, and it is. I hope none of us are thinking that we are easily more righteous than the Pharisees and scribes. Pharisees often get a raw deal, and Jesus has his moments of intense debate and, if not actual contention, with this religious group. But as I have also said before, Pharisees are not synonymous with hypocrites, and we would do well to remove this anti-Semitic bias from our interpretations. I imagine the crowd listening to Jesus is shocked by this suggestion, precisely because the Pharisees are a devout religious group, concerned with holiness and righteousness in their daily practice. We should remember, too, though, that the scribes and Pharisees inhabited an elevated place in the social pecking order, and perhaps exceeding their righteousness has less to do with adopting a correct particular set of practices and observances of laws, which is maybe what we think righteousness is, and rather more to do with the place we find ourselves in society, the company we keep, as we make our attempt to be faithful in all things. In other words, maybe it's about what we think society, our social order ought to look like. I'm convinced more and more that respectability and moral purity in the eyes of the law or any any law uh, are things that are afforded people who have a particular who hold a particular class and wealth in society. I worry that we have created a world where righteousness is available only to those who can afford it. As the Appalachian poet Don West has put it, Lord, I prayed and I prayed well. Why send a poor man down to hell? Lord, I prayed and I prayed long. How can a poor man do no wrong? Lord, I prayed. Now don't you know a poor man's sin is bound to show. And you know, Lord, how things are when a poor man tries to grasp a star. A poor man's sins, Lord, can't you see, are tragic fruits of a poisoned tree. But Jesus, thankfully, is not going to stand for that kind of world in fact, he intends to invert it. Remember that Jesus has just listened to the famous, listed the famous Beatitudes, that counterintuitive litany of blessings that grates against our assumptions about who is a blessed and who is accursed. If Jesus is saying that righteousness must exceed that of scribes and Pharisees, perhaps it has something to do with this counterintuitive backwards way of blessing what is otherwise deemed as cursed. Righteousness is, again, less about adherence to a set of statutes and is more about aligning ourselves as a community with the righteousness that God is enacting in the world among the poor, the mournful, the meek, the persecuted, and all others who find themselves at the bottom of the pecking order. 
and yet they are hearing the voice of Jesus calling them blessed. It is about seeing the world in an entirely different light. This is perhaps what it means to be the light of the world or the lamp shining in the household. We, the community of faith, are meant to be the witness that illuminates this counterintuitive reality, this absurdity God is making real, and the blessedness of everything that God has made. We are illuminating that as the lamp on the stand or light of the light of the world. To be the salt of the earth, then, is to be that which brings out the flavor of creation. You put salt on things to bring out the flavor. Unless you're my daughter, then you just dump salt on everything so that it just tastes like salt. Flavors otherwise are, these flavors are otherwise overpowered. We, we put salt on the earth to, we are the salt of the earth in order to bring out the flavor of creation. But these flavors are otherwise overpowered by the bitter and bland tastes offered in a world obsessed with violence, productivity, and profit. To be salt and light, to live as people who are excessively righteous, is to act in accordance with the future we expect to see in God's kingdom. And that's, I'm going to say that again because that's probably one of the more important things that I'm trying to say here. To be salt and light, to live as people who are excessively righteous, exceeding that of scribes and Pharisees, is to act in accordance with the future we expect to see in God's kingdom. doesn't mean that it's here yet. But it means we, as a community, behave as though we expect it to be here. That action, as St. Paul reminds us today, will look likely look completely foolish and out of step with the prevailing wisdom. Therefore, it must take a spirit-formed imagination and incredible amounts of patience, humor, compassion, humility, and courage. So to take from Don West once again and apply his words to the church, he's He applies them to the South, but I'm going to apply them to the church. We must, quote, see our future, a land of unity, love, plenty, and peace, and have the divine audacity to proclaim that future in acts of faith. So to finally offer a working definition, I think I've come to understand righteousness as our ability to see the kind of world God is bringing into existence even as we speak. Righteousness is the ability to see the kind of world God is bringing into existence even as we speak. And closely tied to that, to be salt and light, to live in righteousness or to do righteousness, is to live as though that world that God is bringing into existence is to live as though that world is already here. Righteousness is our ability to see the kind of world God is bringing into existence even as we speak, and to be salt and light, to live as to live in righteousness, or to do righteousness, is to live as though that world is already here. As some friends of mine who began a church in Durham, North Carolina, have as their sort of mission statement, love as if a different world is possible. For our righteousness to surpass that of the Pharisees and scribes, it must take hold of the entirety of our vision. vision. How do we see the world? How do we see the world? Do we see it as the canvas of God's ongoing creation, rectifying, repairing, and restoring all things that have been broken by the wisdom of this world? Or do we see the world, as St. Paul says, with the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age? What governs our imagination for what is good, true, and beautiful? What guides our feet along the way of peace or otherwise in this world? 
I don't simply want new means to a familiar end. I want us to imagine a different end, which is itself a new beginning that God is bringing to life in this world right now. If we could only open our eyes and see. I think we can begin with our worship as a lamp in a darkened world, as salt that brings out its true flavor. When we come to the Eucharist each week, do we we consider the fact that this liturgy is designed, this liturgy is handed on to us so that righteousness is done in this room. We do not come here for a mere memorial, and the bread and wine are not just symbols, as if anything could be just a symbol. It is of the utmost importance that these things, bread and wine, are fruit of the earth, the stuff of the ground, part of creation that we have baked and fermented, because these things, this bread and wine, reveals to us what it is to do righteousness, to do righteousness, to participate in the righteousness God is always enacting in the world, is to take this world, represented for us here in the bread and wine, but is to take this world and lift it up as an offering to God, to present it on the altar so that it might be raised up, blessed, and shared. It does not matter if it is imperfect or blemished, because the sacrifice for the whole world was itself the broken, blemished, bruised body, the scarred face and pierced hands of the Son of God. We are to see in this liturgy the shape of a life that participates in the righteousness of God, a life that brings the stuff of the world, lifts it up for blessing, and then receives it again as a gift. To say that this sacrament is the body and blood of Christ for us names the unalterable commitment God has made to this world the covenant to bring this whole creation fully into union with God, the righteousness of God in action. This is what righteousness means, to see creation rightly as desired by God, making its way by infinite grace into union with God, where all things are gifts given and received. We, we enact that reality even here as we take this stuff of creation, and not only the bread and wine, but also, as the old words say, ourselves, our souls, and bodies, both of those, souls and bodies. And we offer it before God to be blessed by the outpouring of God's own spirit and receive them again as a gift. Here, we witness all of God's creation moving toward union with God, toward being filled with and enveloped by the presence of God. And we are strengthened by this gift to have the audacity to proclaim by our own life together the future God is bringing to present. Amen. Let us stand together and we cite the words of our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. 
On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and Son he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. The prayers of the people are formed free. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic church. Grant that every member of the church may be may truly and humbly serve you. For Justin, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Brian, our bishop, Johnny, our rector, Chris, our deacon, in our diocese for St. Paul's and St. Nicholas Episcopal School, Chattanooga, and in our companion diocese of South Dakota for St. Andrew in Rapid City. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. Remembering especially Joseph, our president, the Congress of these United States, Bill, our governor, our courts of justice, and Pat and Richard, our mayors, we pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. Remembering Ed, Sister, Becky, Carolyn, Stephanie and family, Bill, Ginger, Louisa, Randy, Mariana, Martha, Mike, Allison DeWitt, Doreen, Beth, Myra, Rick, Jay, John, Kim, Diana, Jackson, Kathy, Jonathan, Jonathan, Patricia, Sarah Beth, Jason, Gary, Kim, Diane, Larry, Alice, Seth, Matt, Richard, Donna. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. Let us pray for our own needs and those of others. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I give to you, my own peace I leave with you. Regard not our sins but the faith of your church, and give to us the peace and unity of that heavenly city, where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign now and forever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. We show one another signs of peace. Welcome.
Good to see you all. Um, it has been a busy week and weekend. Um, I have a, there's a, quite a few announcements there on page 16 of your bulletin that uh, have been in there, I think, for a couple weeks now. Um, Shrove Tuesday this year, we're not doing pancakes, uh, we're doing chili. And so uh, chili uh, will be cooked if you all sign up to cook it. Um, that is out on the, <laughs> that is out on the uh, altar thing in the narthex there on the left. There's a sign-up sheet for that. Please uh, please go sign up for Chili for Shrove Tuesday. That will be a fun event and a little bit of a fundraiser tacked onto that uh, with the sort of the way that you will vote for the different chilies that are being cooked. So please come hungry and uh, bring your own beverage. We have um, uh, as Ash Wednesday is February 22nd. There are two services for that. Both will be Eucharist services, one with music, one without. Um, our Lenten book study um, will begin uh, on March 1st, Wednesday at 6.30. Um, that will be led by uh, Dr. Adam Bean, who is an Old Testament professor at Emmanuel. Um, Adam, uh, you some of you have probably met him. He's been here a number of times uh, just visiting. He's, he's here fairly regularly. Um, but he's a, a brilliant scholar from Johns Hopkins University and will be talking to us about the book of Job. And so I've uh, given in the e-blast a link to purchase that book. I also have copies of that book if you would like one. Um, they are, uh, I, I think I brought them to the office. If not, they're at the house. But um, but you are certainly welcome to uh, one of those that I have purchased if you uh, want one of those books. He has said that um, if you want to read the book along with, with the class, that's great. Um, but if you are like, I don't want to read, then you could still come to the class and keep up, I think. Um, and you won't be shamed. That's the other, you won't be shamed. Um, uh, a couple of other announcements uh, about uh, local businesses. Uh, Shooters, Billiards, and Arcade is, is the February business. Um, bridge players are wanted for our Monday bridge uh, bridge crew. It's in Burnt Hall. Um, uh, please talk to Johnny Ragsdale about that if you're interested. Um, I'm not smart enough to play bridge, but I'm sure some of you are. Um, and then Parish Game Night. Uh, we'll have another board game night on February uh, 19th from 6 to 8. So join us for that. Um, <clears throat> I, for just general announcements for this morning, I want to thank the Altar Guild for setting things up and making this space beautiful for us this morning. Thank you to the Altar Guild folks. Um, I also want to thank our delegates from convention. We had Diocesan Convention this past week, uh, this past weekend, Friday and Saturday. Um, and those delegates were Alan Ragsdale, Trask Prince, who is not here today, I think, because he was scared away from the Episcopal Church after convention. Um, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. He's not. He told me he wouldn't be here. Uh, and then uh, Susan Tipton was our third delegate. So thank you to you all for serving in that capacity at convention and being there for those workshops and the business meeting on Saturday. Um, we also have... Uh, Let's see, we have uh, Tim Bradshaw was elected uh, to uh, the bishop, bishop and council from the, the, as a representative from the Upper East, lay representative from the Upper East. So thank you to Tim for serving in that capacity. And also uh, he wanted me to let you know that his victories in the chili cook-off here at the church are actually what pushed him over the edge <laughs> to win his spot on bishop and council. Yeah, he's, he's, he's gloating about it. So, um, uh, and then uh, I also want to thank Claire Childs for setting up our, um, our table for uh, the ministry fair. We represented our food pantry there, and she got there really early on, on Friday morning and set that table up, and, and, and it looked great with the rest of the ministries there in the ministry fair. So thank you, Claire, for doing that. Um, and then lastly, uh, for convention, Allison Barton was the preacher. If you have not seen that, there is a, a recording of that online. You can go watch that. Um, but uh, how do I put this? Y'all have never clapped for me after I finished a sermon. Um, 
They clapped for Allison after she finished her sermon. So uh, it is worth listening to. Um, the bishop had very, very high praise for that. So many people will continue to talk about it. One of the workshop speakers, Dr. Augustine, continued to talk about it in his workshop. I mean, so, so all that to say, thank you, Allison. Go watch the sermon. Um, and then uh, I want to make, make note, too, of uh, Lynn Dickey, who's, uh, Lynn, you want to wave your hand? Lynn has an art show uh, uh, at the Renaissance Fair, or it's the Renaissance Fair, at the Renaissance Center uh, from 2 to 4 today, if you want to go check that out. Um, and uh, I want to bring your attention also to the other sign-up sheet that's out there. It's for name tags. A couple of you have already taken advantage of that. Um, you'll see the little magnetic name tags that people are wearing. If you don't have one, if you're new to us, or if you have lost yours, or if your dog ate it, whatever excuse you have, just write your name on there and we will order you a new one. So please, please do that. Um, and then uh, lastly, promise, I really want to make note of the fact that, hello children, uh, really want to make note of the fact that uh, we have heat in here this week. I, I skipped last week knowing that it was going to be freezing, and, um, and, and we have heat this week, and that is thanks to Norwell working very hard this past week and the week before to put uh, three new air handlers into this building and setting that all up with the ductwork and things like that. Um, but also for Todd Dugan, I, I am extremely grateful for uh, Todd who has been here every day with Norwell as they put this stuff in to sort of walk with them through the process and check in on them, make sure they're doing things the right way and whatever else. So um, Todd, I mean, I think Todd loves it. He likes wearing his hard hat and going down into the church and all those kinds of things. But but I'm so grateful to, uh, to Todd, um, and he's not here to be embarrassed by me, but I'm uh, very grateful to him for, for, for being here with Norwell all these days to, to make sure that things are done uh, and to keep them kind of uh, keep us updated on what's on what's going on with it. So uh, if you see Todd here in the near future, please tell him thank you for, for being here and serving the church uh, in that way, especially since Bill Murdoch, our current junior warden, is away in South America somewhere. So uh, the only other thing I have is birthdays and anniversaries. Are there any birthdays or anniversaries to bless and celebrate this morning? The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Watch over your children, O Lord, as their days increase. Bless and guide them wherever they may be. Strengthen them when they stand. Comfort them when discouraged or sorrowful. Raise them up if they fall. And in their hearts may your peace, which passes understanding, abide all the days of their life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We will walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us in offering and sacrifice to God. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Because in the mystery of the word made flesh, you have caused a new light to shine in our hearts, to give the knowledge of your glory in the face of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We give thanks to you, O God, for the goodness and love which you have made known to us in creation, in the calling of Israel to be your people, in your words spoken through the prophets, and above all in the word made flesh, Jesus your Son. For in these last days you sent him to be incarnate from the Virgin Mary, to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. 
In him you have delivered us from evil and made us worthy to stand before you. In him you have brought us out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. On the night before he died for us, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, according to his command, O Father, we remember his death, we proclaim his resurrection, and we await his coming in glory. And we offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, O Lord of all, presenting to you from your creation this bread and this wine. We pray you, gracious God, to send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts, that they may be the sacrament of the body of Christ and his blood of the new covenant. Unite us to your Son and his sacrifice, that we may be acceptable through him being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ, and bring us to that heavenly country, where with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Blessed Paul, Blessed Christopher, Blessed Timothy, and all your saints, we may enter the everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters, through Jesus Christ our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church, and the author of our salvation. By him, and with him, and in him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Christ, the Son of God, be manifest in you that your lives may be a light to the world. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.